as you can see, we're talking about children and parents this morning. And for some of you that have your children with the service, you might be like, hey, we picked a good Sunday to get our children in the church service, right? Because he's going to talk about children, obey your parents, and all that good stuff. And so that's good. You might be like, hey, some reinforcement here, right? Uh, so that, that's a good thing. Um, we are talking about parents and children. Last week we talked about husbands and wives, so we're talking really practical stuff here. Now, I don't want you to check out if you are a parent who has adult children. I don't want you to sit there and say, well, you know what, I, why did I come to church today? He's talking about children, obey your parents. He's talking about fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I could have skipped this one. No. And if you're saying, I don't have any kids, never had kids, have no plan to have kids, this is for you too. We are a multi-generational church family. Now, Paul was writing to a multi-generational church in Ephesus, and our church is multi-generational. If you just take a few moments and you just kind of observe what's happening at First NSB on a Sunday morning. If you go into our cafe between services, if you come into our 9 o'clock service, if you come into this 1030 service, if you go down the hallway and you look in some of the classrooms, you will see that we are a multi-generational church family. We have people who are very, very young, and we have people who are quite advanced in age, and everybody in between. And that's a good thing. That's a healthy thing. And all of us, whether we have children or not, all of us can make a valuable investment in the next generation. And so I don't want anybody to say, oh, this isn't for me. This is God's word for all of us. Now, he specifically identifies children, and he specifically identifies fathers. Now, I want us, before we jump into this, I want to remind you of something we talked about very briefly last week. Before we began talking about the relationship that husbands and wives have in relationship to each other, or responsibilities that they have in relationship to each other, we established the idea that all people are made in the image of God. Everybody is made in the image of God. Now, because we are made in God's image, we are valuable. Right? Because we're made by God, we're valuable, but, but we're made in the image of God. We're made in the likeness of God, and there is a, a, a certain value that comes with that. We are valuable, and husbands and wives are equally valuable, and in the same way, children and parents are equally valuable. So in the same way that there's a difference in the God-ordained roles given to husbands and wives, there's also a difference in the God-ordained roles given to children and parents, and yet... Children and parents are equally valuable and equally made in God's image. Now, I want you to notice, first of all, he addresses children. Now, I think this is interesting because he specifically addresses the children. Now, you have a copy of God's Word in front of you. Now, you, you have a, 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 a book. You have a Bible in front of you. I have a Bible right here in front of me, but, but everyone in this church, the original audience, it's not like everyone had their own little copy of the letter, right? It's not like they printed out all these letters. It's like, okay, here's your copy of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, and here's your copy, and here's your copy. No, they would have heard 
this letter being read. And here, Paul is addressing the children in the church. And so they would have heard themselves identified here, children. So now Paul, at this point in his letter, as he opens this last chapter to his letter, he's specifically talking to the children in the church. And here's what he says to them. Notice verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So what is the responsibility of children to their parents? Obey. Right, parents? Do you agree with that? Right? I mean, you, you encourage that, don't you? Parents, you encourage your children to be obedient. You celebrate obedience. You encourage obedience. Is that correct? Is that fair? I mean, if your child is defiant and, and disobedient and, and dishonoring you and, and, and all these other kinds of things, you don't say, oh, you know, I got the greatest kids. They disobey me. They dishonor me. They defy me. I mean, is that what you say? Do you say, oh, I got the greatest kids. Tell me about your kids. Tell me about your defiant, disobedient, disrespectful kids. No, you don't, that's not what you celebrate, right? You, you don't want that. You want your children to, if you ask your child to do something, you want your child to do it, right? You want to encourage obedience. You want to lead your child, and you want your child to follow, right? That's, that's what you want as a parent. You, you want your child to obey the instruction that you give to them. So notice the responsibility of children. Children, obey your parents. Now, this phrase is really important. Do you see the phrase, in the Lord? Obey your parents in the Lord. Now, here's how I understand this. That as a child obeys his or her parents, that that child is in reality obeying his or her parents. Obedience to parents is obedience to the Lord. So if a child has come to that place in their life where they have understood the gospel. They've understood that Jesus Christ died on a cross for their sins. They understand that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and they have personally acknowledged their own sinful brokenness and they have repented of that. They've repented of their rebellion against God and they've put their faith in a crucified and risen Savior, Jesus they are children of God, and when they, as a child of God, submit to the authority of their parents, they are in reality submitting to the authority of their Lord. When they obey their parents, they are obeying their Lord. And then the last phrase, he says this, for this is right. That's the motivator, right? Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. This is good. This is what conforms to God's design. This is what conforms to God's expectation. This is right. Now, there's a parallel text in Colossians. Colossians is one of Paul's other letters in the New Testament. There are 13 of them. Well, Colossians chapter 3, verse 20, Paul says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Right? This pleases the Lord. He tells us in Ephesians, this is right. That's the motivator. He tells us in Colossians, this pleases the Lord. So the motivation for children to obey their parents is, it's right, and it pleases God. It conforms to God's standard, and it brings God pleasure when children obey their parents. In Colossians 3.20, it says, obey your parents in everything. Now, in everything does not mean anything that is harmful, anything that is sinful, 
anything that is abusive, but rather in everything as a reference to all spheres of life. In all of family life, children should be submissive to their parents. It's right. It pleases the Lord. Well, now he quotes the fifth commandment, verses 2 and 3. The fifth commandment, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So in the Old Testament, there's two places you'll find the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5. And here the fifth commandment specifically calls upon offspring to honor their fathers and their mothers. Now, I want you to understand this is relevant not just for children, but it is also relevant for us as adults who have parents, right? It's relevant to us in relationship to our parents because while there may be a time where we no longer obey our parents, we're no longer under their authority, we no longer live under their roof, there, there is not a time in which we fail to honor our parents. So I am 38 years old. I don't live with my parents. I'm not under the authority of my parents. I don't obey my parents, but I am still expected by God to honor my parents. What does that look like? It looks like respect. It's respect. How do we, how do we respect our parents? Well, the way we talk to our parents is a, is a big way we respect our parents. The way we treat our parents, the way we relate with our parents is a big way that we show respect for our parents. And then as our parents get older and they become feeble and, and, and they get into those latter days of their life and they need special care, we show care and concern. We don't just say, hey, you know what, see you later and don't see them for the last 10 years of their life. No, we, 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 we love them. We care for them. We're, in, we're, we're involved. We, we're engaged. So here the commandment, the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother, and notice the promise attached to it that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Now, in the original context, when that commandment was given to God's people Israel, the land was a reference to the promised land that God was going to give to his people. It was a reference to the land of Canaan that God was, he was going to lead his people and they were going to drive out the pagans from this land and they were going to dwell in this land that was described as a land flowing with milk and honey. It was a fruitful land. The idea here is that there is blessing that follows obedience. God blesses obedience. God blesses children who are obedient. God blesses adults who are obedient. So I wonder, for the children who are present and for those who are not, perhaps parents, you can ask this of your children later. How are we doing? How are you doing, children? Obeying your parents. Parents, how are your children doing with this responsibility of obedience. Well, let's turn now to parents. Notice verse 4. Fathers are specifically mentioned. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So fathers are mentioned. Does this mean that mothers have nothing to do with it? I don't think so. Mothers have a lot to do with it. But I believe that why 
the reason Paul is here referencing fathers is because fathers are the God-given, God-ordained leaders in the home. So fathers have the responsibility to lead their homes. And so it's not just fathers without mothers. No, it's fathers and mothers together. It's parents together with fathers leading the way. And notice he first of all gives a negative. He says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Dads, have you ever provoked anger in your children? I have. Right? And, and, and you know, I don't say it like, oh, I've done it. Like, I'm not saying it like I'm proud of it. I'm just saying I'm a sinful dad. And yes, I have done that. I've, I have failed. And so we think about this. We're talking about don't mistreat. Don't bully. Don't be harsh. Don't humiliate. Don't be inconsistent. Don't be unfair. Don't ridicule. Andrew Lincoln, a commentator, writes that it refers to excessively severe discipline, unreasonably harsh demands, abuse of authority, arbitrariness, unfairness, constant nagging and condemnation, subjecting a child to humiliation and all forms of gross insensitivity to a child's needs and sensibilities. So here fathers, the leaders of the home, are specifically told, do not Provoke your children to anger. Or another translation may say, do not stir up anger in your children. Or another translation may say, do not exasperate your children. Don't frustrate your children. Fathers, have you ever frustrated your children? Now, it may be that you frustrate them in like a legitimate way because you're asking them to do what they don't want to do. Right? And they might get frustrated. Like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to pick up my dirty clothes. I don't want to help with the laundry. I don't want to take out the trash. I want to stay on YouTube. I want to stay on my video game system. I want to lay here on the couch and do absolutely nothing for the next 16 hours. Right? And so they might get frustrated. We're like, hey, listen, you can't do that. You can't just lay there with a bag of potato chips for the next 16 hours. You've got to actually get up and do something. You've got to be a contributor. Right? So there's times where you might legitimately frustrate. But there's other times where we can just, as, as sinful dads, sometimes we just, we're, we can be unkind. And we mess up. So he says, don't provoke your children to anger. Right? Don't, don't frustrate them. Don't, don't exasperate them. Don't, don't stir up these, these, these feelings of anger in them, right, by being insensitive and by nagging and being unrealistic and being inconsistent and by ridiculing. But positively, I want you to notice the positive side of this. Here's what he says. He says, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So this is the positive commandment. And I don't think it's just for fathers. It, parents, bring your children up, raise them in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This does not mean, okay, he, what he's not saying here is make sure that your kids have the absolute best clothing. Make sure they got the best shoes. Make sure they got the, the coolest Clothes, the clothes that all the cool kids at school are wearing. Make sure your kids are the absolute best athletes that they can be and make sure that they're on the best sports teams and make sure you do everything you can do to ensure that they get that athletic scholarship. Make sure your kids get into the best university. Now, those things are not bad. They're not bad. If, if your child happens to be a star athlete, that's great. If your child can go off to a, a university on an athletic scholarship, that's great. If your child can go pro, 
That's awesome. If your child can make all A's throughout school and they can get into a really hard to get into university, that's great. But that's not the number one priority. What does he say? He says, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So let me, let me say it this way. My responsibility as a parent. My responsibility as a dad of three boys is to raise them to know, love, and live for the Lord. Now, I want my kids to make good grades. In fact, if you took any one of my three boys aside and you asked them, hey, does your dad encourage you guys to make good grades? They would say, yes, he does. Right? Because I want to know that they make good grades. I want my kids to do the very best. They're smart. And I want them to do their very best. And, and we'll have a conversation if they bring back some grades that are less than satisfactory. And, and unless there's some kind of explanation that goes with it. If it's just kind of like a shrug of the shoulder and I don't know what's going on. Okay, that's not going to work. Like if there's some kind of good explanation. Like, oh, don't worry about this. This is what's on the midterm. But I got it up. or what, Okay, that's fine. I get it. But, but I want to encourage them. I want to encourage them to do their best. I want my kids to make good grades. You know, I, I want them to do those kind of things. But, but more than anything, I want my children to know, love, and live for Jesus. Parents, we are the primary disciple makers in our home. Now, our church, our mission is to make disciples of Jesus. Right? First in SB, our mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. We want to make followers of Jesus Christ. But this church, first in SB, cannot take the place of you as a parent in the life of your child. We can't do it. Parents, you cannot delegate the responsibility of discipleship to someone else. That's not to say the church doesn't play a role. That's not to say that we as a church aren't involved. We partner with. But parents, you are the primary disciplers of your children. So let me give you three ways to do it. Parents, three ways that you can bring your child up in the discipline and instruction. Lord, here's the first thing. Parents... Live the truth in your home. Live the truth in your home. As we've been journeying through Ephesians, what we have discovered is that the first half of Ephesians is very doctrinal, theological. Election, predestination, adoption, redemption, the sealing of the Holy Spirit, the unity we have in Christ. We were dead in Sin, God made us alive in Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. That's Ephesians 2, 8, 9. But then verse 10 says this, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. Now here's what that's saying. We who have been saved by the grace of God have been created 
brand new by God, so that we can walk or live in the good works that God prepared us to walk or live in. In other words, we're to live our faith. We're to, we're to function as followers of Christ. And so, parents, if we live the truth in our homes, that means our children can see their dads and their moms are actually practicing what they're professing. That means our kids can see our faith on display. That means we are doing what Matthew 5, 16 calls us to do when Jesus says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We're to let our light shine. We're to have a public faith, and it begins in the home. Parents, we're to model the faith in the presence of our children. Moms and dads, our children may see us do a lot of things. They may see us do a lot more things than we realize they see, right? And some of you may have those children. I, 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 gotta, I think one of my children in particular is extremely observant. They might hear conversations you never knew they heard. And they might pick up on things that you never knew they could pick up on. Children are smart. And they see things and they hear things and they pick up on things. And they're observing stuff. Even when you don't even realize that your children are observing things that you're saying, things that you're doing. They're observing your behavior. They may see you watching college football on Saturday. It's not a bad thing to do, is it? They may see you on a Sunday afternoon, kick back in your chair watching NFL. They may come in and see you watching your Hallmark movies. I think Hallmark does Christmas movies like... Most of the year, don't they? They got so many Christmas movies. I mean, they may see you come in doing whatever your favorite thing is, your favorite hobby. They observe all kinds of things. They, they, they observe your conversations. Dads, moms, do they ever see you read the Bible? Do they ever see you pick up a Bible and read it? Dads and moms, have your children ever heard you pray out loud? Now, some of you may be like, I don't pray in public, right? Some of you may be like truly like scared to pray out loud. In the safety of your own home, do your children ever hear you pray out loud? Maybe even a simple prayer before the meal. Never hear you pray. Do they ever hear dad pray? Do they ever hear mom pray? Parents, sometimes we get frustrated with our kids, don't we? Yep, it happens. There was some frustration in my home this morning. It happens, doesn't it? And sometimes when you get frustrated with your children, sometimes as parents, we don't respond well. Right? Conflict is not a bad thing. It's how we handle the conflict. It's how we deal with it. It's how we react to it. And sometimes we handle it in a healthy, positive way. But sometimes as parents, we fail and we mess up. Dads, moms, sometimes we don't respond well. Maybe we yell or maybe we 
get so frustrated and we've just held it in and we've told them 652 times to do something and the 653rd time is just boom we just blew up and and it's like oh my goodness what just happened and and we got to go to the kids and do you ever do this do you ever say i was wrong i'm sorry parents those are important words those are important words because though our kids frustrate us, though our kids may not be obedient, though we might have had a bad day and we walked in and they really didn't do anything wrong. We were just, we had a bad day and it's like we just came home and blew up to our family. We need to say, I was wrong. I am sorry. Will you forgive me? Because it's the right thing to do, first of all. But not only that, it evidences our faith. It's a living of our faith. It's a modeling of our faith. It's a, it's a faith that says, you know what, when you mess up, it's not game over, but, but you confess it. You acknowledge it. You say, Daddy sinned. Mommy sinned. I was wrong. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Do your children ever hear you say you're sorry? Hey, dads. Do your children see you loving their mom? Do they see it? They might hear it. They might hear you say to your wife, I love you, but do your children observe the love you have for their mom? Moms, do your children see you respecting their dads? Live the truth in your home. Second thing, parents, is this. In addition to living the truth, teach the truth in your home. Teach the truth. Deuteronomy 6, we read it at the beginning of the service. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all of your might. All these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Now notice, the words of God that God delivered through his servant Moses to the people of Israel, these words were to be disseminated from generation to generation. The faith was to be passed on. And he says here, teach them diligently to your children. Now what does that look like? Is it like we have like Bible time every day and we all sit down for teaching time? Well, it could, I guess. But, but listen to how he continues. He says this, And shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. We're talking about the everyday rhythms of your life. When is a good time to talk about the Lord? Anytime. Right? I mean, if Jesus is your Lord... And you're living your life in obedience to your Lord. You can talk about the Lord in the context of just about anything. I mean, think about this. You could be talking about the things of the faith with your child as you're driving to drop them off at middle school. As you're driving them to soccer practice. While you're sitting in the drive-thru at McDonald's. As you're getting them ready for bed at night. He says, talk of them when you sit in your house, 
when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise in the everyday patterns of your life. Keep the Lord ever before your family. Later in Deuteronomy 6, verse 20 and following, it says, When your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? In other words, when your child asks you, what is the meaning of, of all of this religious devotion, the testimony, statutes, rules that, that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and grievous, against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from there that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to give to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. And it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to do all this commandment before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. In other words, when your child asks you about your faith, you tell them the story of God's salvation. You tell them what God has done. And for the people of Israel, you recount for them how God rescued you out of the land of slavery, out of the oppressive grip of Pharaoh. And you tell them how God brought you into this wonderful land and how God has blessed you. If your child says, why do we go to church every Sunday? Come on, we just went last week. We just went last month. Why do we got to go back this week? Tell them why. Why do we pray? Why do we read our Bible? Why do we do what we do as followers of Christ? Tell your children why. Explain the faith to them. Tell them about Jesus. Tell them about Jesus Christ who died on a cross for our sins. Tell them that we're all sinners and because of our sin we deserve God's judgment. Tell them that there's nothing we can do to fix our sin. We can't be good enough. We can't clean ourselves up. We can't make ourselves right before God. Tell them about God's son Jesus who died and took their place on a cross and died the death that all of us should have died. And tell them that that sacrifice was satisfying to God. That that sacrifice fully absorbed God's wrath against our sin. Jesus fully paid for all of our sins. And God raised His Son, Jesus, from the dead. And tell them that if we'll acknowledge our sin before God and we will repent of that sin and we'll believe that Jesus, as God's Son, died for us and was raised from the dead, that the God who made us will forgive us and cleanse us from all of our sin. And he'll give us a home in heaven and he'll make us his very own children. Explain the faith. Parents, you've got these impressionable children that you're raising. Share the gospel with them. Teach the truth in your home. Consider having a time of family worship. You know, just maybe 10 minutes. Maybe just 10 minutes in, 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 in the day, maybe at night, just 10 minutes. And, and as a family, you sit down and you turn off the TV and you put away the devices. And just maybe for 10 minutes, read some scripture, read a little bit of the Bible, pray, 
share what's going on in people's lives. Maybe pray for other people that, 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 that you know of, family members, people in the church, friends of, of, of the different family members in your house. Pray and then sing. The doxology is a great song. We've sung it many times in my home. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Parents, have you created a culture in your home that encourages faith in Christ? That's, that's our privilege, to be able to create a culture in our homes that encourages faith in Christ. Because we model the faith, we live the faith. And here's the final thing I want to say to parents. In addition to modeling or living the faith and teaching the faith, don't do it alone. Bring them to church. God's design is not for any of us to live the Christian life by ourselves. That's not God's design. Yes, I should be reading the Bible. Yes, I should be praying individually. Yes, I should do that. Yes, I am personally responsible before God for my decisions and for my obedience to Him. But God's design is that I would be connected with other people who are walking with Jesus. That I don't walk with Jesus by myself in isolation from other people, but I walk with Jesus in relational connection with other people who are walking with Jesus. So parents, teach the truth to your children. Model the truth before your children, but don't do it alone. Bring them to church. Now here's, I'm just going to be honest where I'm at right here. My kids don't get a choice of whether they come to church or not. Right, the conversation never happens. And you guys have heard me say this before. This isn't new. Right? We don't like wake up on Sunday morning and say, okay, who's going to church? It just doesn't work that way. Now, it may work that way in your home, but in my home it just doesn't work that way. It's like, listen, there's no conversation. This isn't a democracy. All right, we're not going to vote. Get ready. We're going to church. Now, thankfully, our kids haven't like, I mean, you know, we've got a 14, 13, 12. So, I don't know. I don't know if turbulent days are coming or not. You know, with a 14, 13, 12-year-old. Maybe they are. Some of you who've been around longer, have more wisdom, might be saying, yeah, there's some turbulent days coming. Well, 14, 13, 12. So far, they haven't given us a hard time to come to church. I think they have a, a good experience here. I think they like coming here. And I'm thankful for our church family that, that embraces them and loves them. But my wife and I don't say to our kids, well, it's really up to you guys. You guys decide. If you go to church or not, you guys make the decision. No. We, we, we're the parents, and, and parents, you've got this tiny little window of time when, while you're in charge of them. And in that tiny little window of time in which you're in charge of them, and they're responsible to obey you and follow your leadership, you do what's in their best interest. And I'm telling you, parents, it is in your child's best interest to be in a gospel-centered, Jesus-loving church regularly and consistently. That is in their best interest. It is not in their best interest to leave them at home on a Sunday morning to fill their minds with endless YouTube videos. Okay? It is not in their best interest to let them decide whatever they're going to do. 
Do you just let your child decide if they're going to run into traffic without looking both ways before they cross the road? Do you let your child decide that? Right? If your child says to me, I don't want that. If your child says to you, I don't want that healthy meal you prepare for me. I want a dozen donuts. Do you say, okay, sure thing. Let me go out and get those. No. Right? I mean, you just don't do that. I don't want to go to school today. School's for losers. I want to stay home. Play with my buddies. Do you let your kids do that? Parents, you are the parents. Be the parents. God has given you the awesome responsibility to parent your children. And we don't do it perfectly. Listen, I fail often. I got to tell my kids I'm sorry pretty regularly. Okay, I fail a lot. But I'm committed and my wife's committed that we're going to bring them up in the discipline and in the instruction of the Lord. And so parents, let me challenge you. Live the truth in your home. Teach the truth in your home. But don't do it alone. Bring your children to church. Explain to them why we do what we do. Explain to them why we gather for worship. Explain to them why in the world there's a bucket that's going up and down these rows. What, what is that about? Looks like something that would be great for popcorn, doesn't it? Like, how would you like to have a popcorn bucket with our logo on the side of it? Right? Like, what is that about? Like, why are we passing a bucket? Right? And, and the guy who did the welcome, what was he talking about giving through the app? Like, what is this about giving to the church? Why would we give to the church? Explain why in the world you would give your hard-earned money to support the work of the church. Explain that. Why do we sing? Why do we serve? Why, why do we show up and, and contribute? Why do we do the things we do? Why do we commit ourselves to God's people? Why are we a part of a local church? Explain it. Help them to understand it. And I, I think there's, I, I love to see young children in our worship services. I know we have children's ministry and that's fine. But I like it when parents bring their children in here. You know, I don't remember a whole lot of things as a child, but I do remember, I remember some vague things about sitting in church, sitting in a pew, opening a hymnal, you know, those offering envelopes. I don't know how many pieces of gum I stuck in an offering envelope. That's really not what those are for. I mean, it's kind of handy, right? If you need somewhere to put your gum, I mean, it's there. We actually want you to put something else in there. But I've stuck gum in offering envelopes. I've used offering envelopes to just draw pictures and probably not pay attention in service. But somewhere along the way, God got my attention. Right? I was in the service. I was in church. I was in children's ministry. My parents took me to church. And God worked through that church. And God worked through the context that he put me in through my parents. And I came to faith in Christ. And then finally, for all of us, whether we have children or not, whether our children are adults or we never had children at all, our faith is not a faith we just hang on to and keep to ourselves. It's a faith that we pass on to the next generation. And so I hope all of us can realize that every one of us have a role to play in seeing that the next generation comes to believe in Christ. In seeing that the next generation comes to know 
love and live for the Lord Jesus. So church, let's keep showing up. If you see a parent struggling with their kids in the hallways, maybe say a prayer for them. Maybe say something encouraging to them. If you see that there's some areas in children's ministry where we could use some help, why not go to Karen, our children's ministry leader, or my assistant Donna, or send a text or call the church office and say, hey, sign me up. Let me help out. Or maybe you look at this church and say, you know, this church is, this church is seeking to make disciples. This church is seeking to invest in the next generation. And I haven't started giving financially to support the church, but I'm going to start now. Because I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in the mission. I believe that we're to make disciples. And I know that it's God's people who are supposed to fund the mission. And so I'm going to give. Or I'm an inconsistent giver. I'm going to be a consistent giver. Or I'm a tipper. I'm going to be a generous giver. Church, let's respond as God leads us. Let's encourage children to obey their parents in the Lord, for this is right. Let's encourage fathers to not provoke their children to anger, but to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Let's invest in the next generation that others may know the Lord, live for the Lord, and love the Lord.